welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 4, Episode 15, which is titled Exodus. The episode aired on February 26, 1998. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? Oh, this first one takes me back. AOL sparks outrage as they raise the monthly price of their 56k dial-up internet from 1995 to 2195. Let me repeat that again. 56k dial-up internet from 1995 <laughs> to 2195. Hey, that's a lot of money to some people. It's a 10% no, price increase. No, How no, dare they? No, I'm sa- <laughs> it's the fact that you're paying that much for dial-up internet when you can get like probably 10 times 20 times, 100 times that speed now for the same price. Like thousands of times. I don't know. Yeah. At the time, though, You're... 98, I feel like this was probably as good as it got for internet right. speed. Because I, I don't think we got high speed, high speed air quotes. We didn't get high speed internet until probably 2001 or two. So Yeah, we got it around um, like 2000, yeah, 2003, 2004, I think. So yeah, my this brother's was probably... Past. Probably as good as it get as good as it got around this time. I have no idea. I wonder how long it would take to load like a modern Facebook page. Oof. Hours. Yeah, your computer would just, just catch blow fire. Up. Yeah. All right. From there, the handwritten original lyrics to Elton John's "Candle in the Wind" 1997 are auctioned off for a staggering four hundred and forty-two thousand five hundred dollars. The proceeds went to the Lund Foundation, a charity that helps disadvantaged children. Speaking of Elton John, he was also knighted by Queen Elizabeth II on February 24th. Yes, February 24th, sorry. Um, NASA probe Voyager 1 takes the record for farthest man-made object from Earth. The probe is still speeding along and sending back data to this day, traveling at 38,000 miles per hour, just over 14.1 million miles from Earth, 43 years into its mission. It is also the only man-made object to ever leave the solar system entirely. NASA estimates it will finally lose power sometime in 2025. Like, there's like i love space stuff space is fucking nuts but the mm-hmm. fact that we sent a probe into space in the 70s right and it's still transmitting back rudimentary data it's wild like and won't lose power for another four years that's outside of our solar system it's past pluto what the fuck pretty neat <laughs> you want to talk about something not so astounding oh yeah New movies over the last three weeks include The Blues Brothers 2000, Ooh. The Replacement the replacement Killers, and The Wedding Singer, but none were even close to a match for Titanic, which retains the box office crown by a margin of $9 million. Yeah. This week's was uh, The Wedding Singer, and its second week was the number two movie. I love Wedding Singer. I definitely saw The Blues Brothers 2000 in theaters with my parents, and that was a waste of an afternoon, let me tell you. I'm sure I did. I don't really remember, but I'm sure I did. It's such a, it's a fever dream of a movie in a bad way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's bad on every front. It really is. Like it, it's, it's, it's actually, it's one of those rare sequels that's so bad. It actually somehow detracts from the original. Like it, it's so bad on its own that it makes you, it makes you lessen your opinion of the original, which sucks. Oof. And Nice and Slow by Usher is the number one song this week. 
and for what else is on. Um, as you might have noted by the headline uh, or the, the air date at the top, we took a two-week break since the last episode, um, getting out of the way of the Winter Olympics over on CBS. Uh, and I did note that the first of the two Thursdays that we were off um, had a two-hour block blocked off for ER, but not two separate episodes. It was just a full two-hour block starting at 9 p.m., which makes me wonder if they replayed the pilot, maybe trying mm-hmm. to draw some new viewers in. Uh, at 8 p.m. on this evening, Friends checked in with the episode The One with All the Rugby. At 9.30 p.m., Just Shoot Me is back with College or Collagen. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld with the episode The Wizard. And at 9.30 p.m., Veronica's Closet with the episode Veronica's a Drag. This episode had 32.8 million viewers tuning in, up just about a million from last week's episode. This week's episode is directed by Chris Chulak, doing his 14th out of 43. Previous ones of his from this season we did included Sharp Relief, Fathers and Sons, and Something New. And this week's episode is written by the team of Waylon Green, doing his second of five. Previous one from his of this season was Friendly Fire. And Joe Sachs doing his third out of 35 episodes. Previous one of his from this season we did was Make-A-Wish. And before we get into the actual meat of the episode, I'm going to implore you viewers, so much of this episode is so visual. Mm-hmm. Like visual is such a good a key component ju- into just how amazing this episode is. I implore you, fire up your Hulu account, dig out your season four DVDs, watch this one, please before listening to this episode because especially if you haven't seen it in quite a while it's going to be one it's another one of those frenetic mass casualty episodes where we can't do it nearly as much justice as what's playing out on screen and how beautifully choreographed everything is so with that i i watched it yesterday morning and i'm still buzzing so that's like gives you an idea of like what how frenetic this episode is I'm so glad we watched it fresh this morning before recording, because if we had done this, like, five days out like we usually do, I would have been like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Daniel accurately made the statement that you feel like you're you feel you're going to feel like you need a cigarette after watching this episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But then actually going into our episode, I'm so excited. Um, our previously on is brought to us by Doug. And we start the episode with Doug pulling up outside of Carol's house, which is no longer a shithole. I don't know if you guys notice how much her house has been look, how much better her house has been looking. It's like as Carol's emotional state improves, so does her house. <laughs> I've said this before. But, um, Carol's Carol's house is low key one of the best continuity trackers in the whole show. Like you can mm-hmm. actually track so good. her story arc through the condition of her house. It's so good. But yep, so Doug pulls up and he goes up to the de- the door. Rings and knocks. There is no answer. He, like, peeks in, trying to see inside. Nothing. So he just goes and leaves. Trouble in paradise. Oh, no. And uh, let's let's sit, let's take a step back here for just a second. Let's set the scene as to what's happening with Dr. Corday and uh, Zadro making a lovely little appearance here. We don't we don't really get too much paramedic audio. So let's let's listen to their conversation before the events of this today. Let's say we pull into the ambulance bay with a gunshot victim. What are you thinking about? Excuse me? A fresh trauma patient. What goes through your mind? The basics, of course. Airway, breathing, circulation. Oh, yeah. But your docs don't ever think about the scene. I mean, you see two IVs, sea collars, backboards, monitors, all packaged and ready to go, but you have no idea what we have to go through. Which is why I'm here. Listen, a one-day ride-along is not going to tell you the whole story. You know, sometimes we get shot at. Sometimes we're out there trying to save a banger, and there's airmail coming in on us from all sides. ML. Yeah. Garbage, bottles, bricks. 
thrown from the windows, from the roof, and we're down in the streets trying to save a life. Yeah, you gotta keep your mind right. It can make you cynical. Well, let's hope we have an easy day. That's the way it usually is when you docks ride along. That's why you don't get the big picture. But remember, you're here as an observer. We have protocols, so don't go off on your own. Don't worry. He had to say it, didn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's always an easy day. Oh, it's totally fine. Also, much respect to not only our fictional uh, paramedics on this show, but to paramedics everywhere. Y'all are, y'all are angels yes. in uniform. Thank you. Don't get paid nearly enough either. Thanks. Fuck. Jesus Christ. There's two. If there's two classes of people that I would have paid more, like if I was em- God Emperor of the United States, I would make paramedics and teachers some of the highest paid positions in the entire country. Paramedics, it's fucking bad. Depending on which company yeah. you work for, some of them make like less than ten dollars an hour. Like it's bad. Yeah, my brother. My brother's a paramedic slash firefighter out in. Out oh, in Colorado, I didn't know he was a paramedic too. Yeah, he does. He does it. He does that. He's a firefighter predominantly, but right. occasionally he'll take paramedic shifts. He's licensed, so okay, cool. I somehow did not know that about yeah. him. Uh, so yeah, they had they had to say the thing that it's <laughs> going to be an easy day because uh, right right after this scene, they cut over. Oh, there, oh look, there's a giant fire at a collapsed chemical plant with twenty to thirty victims. Whoops. <laughs> um. So this is our big disaster for the episode. Yes. And give, me, all, give me mayhem. In all of the nope, 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 never <laughs> happening to me, would never do it whatsoever. I am claustrophobic. Fuck everything about this. Uh, Dr. Corday volunteers to go into a con- do a confined space rescue for a gentleman stuck in the rubble. Right after she says she'll stay in her lane and out of trouble, <laughs> the minute they get there, she's like, yeah, um... Yeah, I'll try it. Sure, I've never done this before, but sure, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And the pair and um, I already, I already, yeah. He looks at her and it's just like the fuck. <laughs> like he's like, what did we just talk about before we came over here? To be fair, she makes a good point that yeah. the gentleman is trapped and he might need special access right. yeah. that Zadro is not qualified or yeah. trained to provide. So, I mean, it makes sense, but it's just like, come on, bro. Like the dude asked her, "Do you have any conf- do you have any experience with confined space rescues?" And she's like, "No, but I'll I'll do what I can." <laughs> and then he's like, "Are you claustrophobic?" She's like, "No, I don't really think so." Yeah. It's like, "Oh well, you'll find out real soon." Yeah, because she looks down at the hole. She's like, "Will I even fit through there?" <laughs> and if you're asking yourself that question, maybe just don't. And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's fine. It opens up at the end. It's fine." Daniel, I'm just gonna say this off topic. Did this make you immediately think of Ghost Town Living and some bit. of the shit that they a, a do? I was like, I was like, oh. especially especially when they yeah. were like, you need to go in head first. For, yep. like that it'll be easier if you go in head. I was like, mm-mm, nope. Mm-mm, if you nope. if you go in head first, I can pull you out if it goes wrong. I was like, yep, this is this is some Sarah Gordo stuff right here. Which yeah. listeners, it's a YouTube series that Daniel has gotten me hooked on. If you like ghost towns and then being revived go watch ghost town living on youtube just you'll thank us yeah and of course as she's sliding down like she literally slides down for part of it <laughs> like uncontrolled and like and then once she gets down there the firefighter that's behind her says oh don't bump against the four by fours that's all that's holding this place up as you hear them creaking in the background mm-hmm. i this 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 these scenes with in this confined space rescue just nope 
anxiety for days. It's the one reason I can't watch that series that they, <laughs> them two were just talking about. Like, it's really cool when he's doing all the above ground stuff and like building the museum and exploring out like, and rebuilding the cabins. Yeah, exactly. And... But like, whenever he goes down into a mine, I'm just like, I'd rather die. <laughs> I do not watch those episodes around Lizzie. I will wait until I am like listening to them at work. I will not put them on our TV at home. Yeah, and. First of many times we're going to say this, the fucking score of these scenes is just adds so much to the tension and anxiety of everything going on here. But uh, the score for sure, and that's definitely, we're going to sing its praises throughout this episode, but also the Foley work of the building creaking around her in this specific sequence. Oh my God. Yeah. Nope. Martin is nope, firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. this entire episode. It is. Please. Whew. If, if you watch this episode for nothing else other than the fact that we're telling you it's amazing and you need to go watch it, go watch it just to listen to the score and applaud Martin. Because, holy heck. Yeah, where, wherever you follow us, like if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, I know he's on there. Maybe he mm-hmm. has a Facebook fan page. I'm not sure. But I know he's on both Twitter and Instagram. If you follow us on either one of those, go follow Martin fucking Dovich and tell him how wonderful he is. Because I don't think the man knows. Like, I don't think he understands he what no a profound idea. impact he has had on so many people. Go track him down, leave a comment, tweet at him, let him know what an amazing musician he is because he adds so much to not only this episode, but every single episode. But this episode right here is like the perfect encapsulation of what makes him and the series so great. Like, and I feel like he needs to know that more than anybody else. Like, I just don't think the man is acutely aware of just how good he is. I feel like ever since we interviewed him, which... We have paid way more attention to the scoring, which we should have been doing anyway because mm-hmm. friend of the show, Drew, um, would have slapped us if he knew how little we were, like, paying attention to scores before this. But, like, ever since actually talking to Martin and finding out, like, what his process was and how some of things went, it really, it made me appreciate the hard work that much more. And I feel like ever since that interview, this this has also turned into a, like, sub-show of just a love letter to Martin. Mm-hmm. As it should be. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Corday is going to start a line to get the gentleman some pain medicine because there's a building on him. Just a whole building. It's fine. They can't get him out. His arm's trapped. Yeah. It's fine. And then, fittingly, we are in with some bangs. This is one of the few times where I'm going to say this is definitively they had to have gone with bangs. This is bang worthy. This is bang worthy. (laughs) Twinkles would have been a sin. How dare you. Um... And then we switch over. Anna and Carrie are up in the cafeteria getting some coffee. And Anna comments on Carrie's perfume. And Carrie's like, yeah, it's lilac. You don't think it's too young for me? To which Anna claps back, no, my mom wears something just like that. And I just, I had to note it. It's not an important plot point at all, but it's just, it's so good. Because it's like Carrie thinks she's wearing something feisty and flirty. And Anna's like, yeah, that's what my mom wears. She's got a good thing they have a Bernie in it at the hospital. Yep. Um, and then we also find out Mark is not back yet. Carrie says that he's trying to get back today or tomorrow. And I also want to note that coffee is only 60 cents, I believe, is what the clerk says as they're checking out. So, holy heck. So, so much 1998. So much 1998. Outrage over a, a $2 price increase and 60 cent coffee. Okay. We're firmly in 1998. And then this is, a, this is a weird little side thing here that does that barely gets revisited after the first 10, 20 minutes of this episode. Carrie asks Carter if he can help her get some new reading glasses. Yeah, he's doing an because ophthalmology appa- rotation. Yeah, apparently. He's 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 working on that, which is something I didn't even know they really did in the ER. 
Well, it's because he starts the day in the ophthalmology clinic right. and then he gets kicked out to go check on a patient with glaucoma right. in the ER. So that's what gets him into the ER. But like, well, I guess last episode we weren't even in the ER. We were in San Diego. So I guess that theoretically could have been when Carter started doing that. But right. they just haven't really brought it up before now. It's just odd. Yeah, a little bit. But we get our first patient of the episode, uh, a patient by the name of Jack Ardeburn. Uh He's coming in with chest pain, possible heart attack. Jeannie is handling him. He's played by actor Michael Kagan, who appeared in stuff like Star Trek Voyager, Friends, and How I Met Your Mother. And I cannot stress enough that he is not former Vice President Al Gore, despite the fact that he looks exactly like him. I, I can't judge you for this because I said Clancy Brown looked like Discount Triple H and... Zaheda's over there thinking <laughs> that the guy who plays Grimma Wormtongue looks like Bill Pullman. So I can't. We all have our weird blind spots. But this I can't one is for this, this one. one is real though. He looks exactly it, it's like it's real Al to Gore. you. It's real to you, and that's what matters. Do we need Daniel. to have another penis ball discussion? Because I will clip no. the man's face out and put it in the Facebook group. <laughs> like, that's fine. They what can... is the Facebook group not it for if not for stuff like this? Settling you petty prove... disputes between the three of us. You can prove me wrong again. That's fine. But it's real to you. And that's what he looks exactly like Al Gore. But anyway, he fainted at breakfast. Uh, He's experiencing some dizziness and uh, with a a little bit of a shit line as he's as he's being wheeled away. He, uh, you know, kind of is grilling Jeannie. And he's like, are you a doctor? And She's like, well, I'm a physician's assistant, but I'll be seeing a real doctor. Right. Like rude, rude. But he does. Well, as we learn, as we learn later, this gentleman is uh, a little moneyed. Yeah, so. got a little money, but he's actually yeah. this guy actually uh, is a just icing on the cake for this episode. Once he's we get so to him, and, once we get to him and Carrie later on, it's just like okay, it's, I, it's I'm beautiful. glad you're here. Yeah, um, but for now, Carrie agrees to take in six minor traumas, some just burns and scrapes, and people that need to be evaluated but aren't serious from the scene that Corday is at. And speaking of Corday and me wanting to die. Uh, she thinks that she might have to amputate Leo's arm if they can't lift the rubble. And the concern is that if they can't shore up the rubble, up, the concern that they have is that they can't shore the rubble up enough to make it stable. So they don't want to drop the rest of the building on him, him and, you know, Corday and the f- firefighter that she's with. Um, Dewey, I think. Dewey, is that his name? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll never see him again. So <laughs> After this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she needs something to lube them up, like vegetable oil, and they have motor oil, so they're gonna dump a bunch of motor oil on this guy's arm, see what they can do with that. Yeah, um, and I want to know, he's like, well, what about grease? And she's like, no, it's too thick, we need something we can pour on. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> um, Disgusty. But then, as, as Daniel mentioned, Carter is up working with a patient on her eye prescription, and eventually the doctor that he's working with comes in and she goes i think your student needs some help <laughs> which is how which is how he gets kicked out to go check on the patient downstairs with the potential glaucoma so this is him being shitty at eye exams is what gets him downstairs to go check on the glaucoma patient i love the like the way we're brought into that uh, scene where we get the like flat shot of just her face behind those huge coke bottle uh, yeah. lenses as she's getting her exam um but so we go back down to the er we have patients starting to roll in from the scene and uh they so we do get a weird benton moment here where he's kind of directing traffic and bringing you know trying to figure out where to take these patients as they're coming in and he calls trauma one t1 
which I don't think has ever been said before, and I don't know that we'll ever hear it called that again. I wonder if that was like a let's try something different this week and call it, you know, let's see if we can like make nah. this a thing. It was very strange. It was super jarring when we were watching the episode. I was like, what? I literally had to pause. I was like, what the fuck just happened there? Yeah, yeah. Lizzie stopped me to go, what did he just say? T1. It's like, mm. yeah. Yeah, that, but who's going to T1? Don't don't try to make that a thing. Yeah, uh, going into Trauma 1, or T1 as we're calling it this episode, uh, our first chemical burn patient, uh, played by actor Kevin Weissman, who is a definite, oh, hey, it's that guy just from his face alone. He appeared in stuff like the TV series Alias, the movie Clerks 2, and uh, the TV series Better Call Saul. In Clerks 2, he plays a guy who is such a big fan of Lord of the Rings that Randall tortures him into throwing up. So... Yep. Just for you, yep. Lauren. It's it's our whole relationship in a nutshell. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but then we go back. Carrie has examined Mr. Arterburn's scans, and his EKG suggests he had a small heart attack. And um, I want to note, before Carrie walks into this room, Jerry runs up to her to point out this guy's chart. He's like, his insurance. It's not, it's, it's Blue Cross, but it's not the HMO. <laughs> it's not the PPO. It's old school. I'm just trying to think of cost initiatives. It's like legacy gold. Yeah. Some, yeah. Six and, or something like and that. And Carrie's like, Jerry, we treat all patients equally here, regardless of their insurance. Go away. He's like, I'm just looking out for the costs. I'm just like, just, just you looking can out tell, for the budget deficit. Yep. Jerry's just trying to kiss so much ass this whole episode, and it's such a good through line. And I've missed Jerry so much. But um, Carrie goes in, tells Mr. Arterburn what, what she's found, and he's like, okay, well, can you call my own doctor just so we can discuss this with him and get, you know, not the second opinion, but just extra details, whatever. So he's over on Oak or something, or Chestnut or something yeah, like that. O- I think it was Oak. Some tree name, but he's like, can you just call my doctor? Because Oak is in a very bougie part of town. I suppose so, so is Chestnut, but Oak, Oak Street is in a very bougie That's part of town. That's why I was thinking Oak, but I do think it's he says Chestnut. So, I have a logistical question. Uh, oh, please. As, so, <laughs> as this is a very chaotic episode, I would imagine there were a lot of moving parts in the creative process of like, we have this patient going this direction and we have this patient. There's a lot of, there's lots of things that were being thrown at them at one time. Uh, this patient here, Jack Artaburn, I would presume that the germ of the idea that started this patient would be that he's, he's a patient with, they knew starting out that he would be a patient coming in with chest pain, presumably possibly a heart attack. Do we think it's possible that his name started out as Mr. Heartburn and they just kind of slightly tweaked it until it was Artaburn? <laughs> because I, I had <laughs> possibly, I had the thought, <laughs> Headcanon accepted, but yeah. So let's ease the transmission uh, transition back into hell. Uh, they've raised. That's just what I'm calling this scene with Corday and Le- and Leo and the firefighter. Uh, they've raised the rubble an inch to try to slide Leo out, and there's an explosion above their heads, and more things fall down on them. Kill me, please. <laughs> uh, um, the T uh, and the. Captain calls out on the radio that uh, Dewey and Corday need to get the hell out of there. Um, the chemical tank exploded. Um, Corday says that she wants to leave Leo and insists uh, Dewey goes to get the winch. So they need a specific winch because they don't really have enough leverage to pull him out just by themselves because it's a confined space. I think she said it's. Or I think Dewey said it's called the "Come with Me" or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. But, but yeah. So, uh, so now it's just Corday and the trapped man well, yeah. down there. And just fucking Martin. Good lord, man. <laughs> like, 
Like, his keyboard must have been on fucking fire, literally, this entire time. Just, if you ever want to stress me out, just low-key play the score from this episode and okay. see how long it takes me to be like, okay. stop it! <laughs> now, I, now, I, um, now I need to go find the meme of the, like, don't we don't need anything crazy, it's just mid-season four, and then it's the, the yeah. piano on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Perfect. Um, but then from there, Doug and Carol are sassing about how he came to see her this morning and she wasn't there. And she's like, oh, are you, are you like watching me now? Or something like that. And it's yeah. just like, what the hell, you two? Get it together. Um, but there's a young girl brought in. Her name is Sophie. And she has an altered mental status. And she hasn't been feeling great. Her babysitter found her with bloody diarrhea. And the babysitter, per the mother's instructions has been giving her bee pollen every few hours and something, some other bougie thing. I don't remember what the other thing was. Some other homeopathic crap. And the babysitter is such a good, oh, hey, it's that girl. So, Daniel, please tell us. Yeah, we, well, so there's a couple things here, uh, but we'll definitely, we'll start with the more famous of the two. Um, Eva Mendez is playing our babysitter here, who at one time, I mean, and not too long after this, I would say probably by the early aughts, like 03, 04, that that time frame she was like one of the bigger movie stars in the world at one point yeah uh, she's huge yeah um famous for her role in ghost rider <laughs> she was in a lot of stuff and this so this actually was her screen acting debut here uh for television really? television or film this was her screen acting debut she had been in a couple of like music videos for i think she was in an aerosmith mm. video and I forget the other one. Um, but so she had been in like shorts and stuff, but this was her first um, on-screen debut for film or television. And she would mm-hmm. go on to appear in stuff like uh, the movie Hitch with Will Smith, The Other Guys, and Training Day, uh, among many, many other things. But this is where it all started for her. And then our little girl here, uh, on a much darker, sadder note, uh, Sophie here, she's played by actress Kelsey Mulrooney, who appeared in stuff like uh, the movie A Little Princess and the TV series NYPD Blue. She didn't really stick with acting too... I mean, she she acted here and there, but wasn't like certainly not on the level of an Eva Mendez. Um, but I did note that she passed away just a couple of weeks ago in April of 2021. Um, doesn't Aww. appear to have been a COVID thing. It was just like a, a multi-system organ failure kind of thing, just like a very unexpected... Uh, deal so it, was, it seemed like it was, came out of nowhere very sad but uh so sorry to ha- bring the room down on that one but uh we, we transitioned out from there uh back to carter working with the glaucoma patient that's in the er a uh, cute little old man dr george uh and dr george is played by probably the most famous oh hey it's that guy of all um i thought that's who it was veteran yes thank you veteran hollywood actor mickey rooney uh, who appeared in so many different things, but among his highlights, uh, the movie It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, which don't look up his role in Breakfast at Tiffany's. It does not pass the 2021 smell test under nope. any circumstances. Not at all. Uh, Babes in Arms, among many other things, 343 credits to his name, and he passed away in 2014. So, And he does sort of, even though this is a little bit of a throwaway patient, he does sort of serve a pretty large narrative purpose in this episode so i think it's a pretty good Mm -hmm. use of him uh, and his talents here for sure um but carter puts some numbing stuff in his eyes to do the uh, pressure test with the pen uh aka my least favorite part of my yearly yep eye exam uh and i love how he oh i love how he mentions how he's like oh you know back in my day they had to do it with the puff of air in your eye and i'm like 
we're still doing it 28 years yeah, later. Yeah, like, that's still what I get it. Uh, what you call it? 23 years later, my bad. Yeah, but. the thing the thing that he's used, the thing that Carter's using is not something I've ever encountered before myself. I don't know if that's like a mobile, a portable version of the same thing they have you do in an actual optometrist office, but like yeah, for me, it's I, always the thing where they ha- make you like sit your chin on the thing and like look at the eye, like look at the light, and then they puff you that way. Ugh, I hate it. Mm-hmm. It might be a different, more sophisticated thing for because he because the this gl- gentleman the has glaucoma. yeah glaucoma yeah so uh, um I also I'm sorry I just want to point out one other thing about Doctor George he's talking about how he used to have like a know it all show kind of like um kind of like Bill Nye mm-hmm. would have been our our equivalent of it but then he got he got kind of stalled in the water by Mister Wizard which was another <laughs> show very similar yeah and he's just like. And it's just, it's a really good just side yeah. note. They, they managed to and it explains what pack a lot of stuff into a small amount of time with this character. Yeah, and it explains why he knows so much a little bit later on. Right. So we go from there back to little Sophie, who is in acute renal failure. Uh, her mom has arrived right as they sedate her to uh, intubate her. And the mom here is another. Oh, hey, it's that person. Lots of these in this episode. If you haven't uh, already figured out. Uh, Mom is played by actress Diane Salinger, who appeared in stuff like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Ghost World, and Batman Returns. Uh, She is incredulous at Doug's suspicion that uh, little Sophie here could be suffering from an E. coli infection uh, because E. coli, that comes from meat. She doesn't eat meat. And Doug doesn't really care because he's like, well, regardless of where it came from, she needs to be put on dialysis or else she's going to die. Uh, mom does not want her on a machine and wants a second opinion. So that's where we leave little Sophie for now. Yeah. And Carol says like, Oh yeah, it can come from sprouts or like, can it come from untreated honey as well? So like if the uh, mom's just honey. Well, honey, I know is uh, like, you can't give honey to babies cause it's like botulism toxin or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's maybe that's what yeah. I'm thinking of. So it's botulism and it's like kids under two. You can't give it to them. Gotcha. 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 Uh, but back to hell, uh, Corday is trying to free Leo's foot. They have him all hooked up to the machine to pull him out. But, uh, Leo's foot, now Leo's foot is caught. The arm's not the problem, the foot. So, in a just moment of stupidity, pure adrenaline, whatever you want to call it, uh, Corday pumps up the jack way, way too high, destabilizes everything, and, uh, they drag him, they manage to drag Leo out barely, as the whole area they were in comes crumbling down and becomes buried. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then after that, here's here here comes the kicker for this for this episode. Um, a woman it comes in yelling for help and dragging a gentleman to the ER from the chemical company explosion. She says the ambulances were too slow and too there was not enough ambulances, so she threw a couple people in the back of her pickup truck and drove here and thought that would be faster um they're all soaked head to toe in the solvent and it is immediately everyone around them is just like what the fuck is that like it smells so bad and just makes them all start be all like lightheaded and stuff and and jerry says he'll open some doors (laughs) sweet baby jerry which good on jerry for yeah and daniel what is that smell that smell is benzene. So, so, so many things about this. Like, this episode is, if you haven't figured out already, amazing in every possible way. But it's amazing for a, a lot of different reasons. Because it, just going strictly by the timeline, like, we're about to head into our meatiest clip of the episode at nearly three and a half minutes. Because it's so frenetic. 
Um, that takes place starting at 18 minutes into the episode. So we've managed to get almost halfway through a standard 40 minute episode before even getting into kind of the central conflict of this episode. Like any other episode, I feel like this, uh, this building collapse would have been the whole story. Like that would have been the whole episode would have been trying to get this guy out of this building collapse. So that's amazing in and of itself that they kind of do that little bit of a misdirect thing. Um, but so Dr. George, as, as they're coming out of, uh, the exam room, uh, after Carter has given Dr. George his numbing drops, he smells the, uh, the smell of the benzene immediately identifies it as such. Uh, and Carter just kind of blows him off. Carter's like, Oh yeah, they're probably stripping the floors, you know, like no, no need to worry. And he's like, nah, dude, that doesn't make sense. Like they wouldn't use benzene to strip floors. That's much too toxic. And you should find the source of this as quick as possible. And like a magic man in a Christmas movie, he kind of just floats away and we never see Dr. George again. Like he kind of just disappears into the night. Um, My job is done here. Yeah. Like I have fulfilled my narrative purpose. Um, So he goes off. So Carrie is working on the guy who just was brought in, soaked through in the solvent. Uh, And just and this is where we're going to jump into this clip here. Like I said, this is going to cover kind of the next couple of scenes because it all kind of flows into one another. Um, But Carrie, when the clip starts, Carrie has started to examine the patient and then starts to seize like she collapses and starts to seize. And that's what kind of kicks off the chaos that is the next three and a half minutes. Pay attention to not only uh, the score, which we've touched on already, but also pay attention to just kind of the sound of the ER itself and all of the chaos. And really, most importantly, pay attention to Carter, because this is we've been talking about this since episode one of this podcast. This is the birth of Dr. John Carter, MD right here. This is the moment like this is the moment Truly. we've been searching for. So please enjoy this. Give me a hand. Oh my God, oh my God, break. No one touch her with our gloves on. The clothes are soaked through with this stuff. Ready? One, two, three. Get a mask on her. Pull socks. Roll her on your side. Don't let her aspirate. Suction. Ativan, two milligrams IV now. She needs a line. Oh my God, it's back Hey, don't walk through those puddles. It might be benzene. What is that? It's a, it's a solvent. It's toxic. I don't want to spread this stuff around. I mean, let's go with the out of hand. Need to end debate. Have we given orders for a reason? I'm sorry, but we were so close. You all could have been killed. I'd have three deaths to explain. Yeah, that's worried about you. Leo Lightsinger, crush injury to the right arm. BP 90 pound, close one kill. We had a prolonged extrication. No kidding. Stay to the right. We've got an unknown solvent leaking out from a holding tank. Hazmat setting up for decontamination. Junie, we need at least four more of these to cover the floor by admit. I'll call Central here. And I want you to check Ellen Lynn's toxic cough and see what it says about benzene exposure. Put it. Ah, trauma one. Let's move the sickest patients away from this stuff. Double back all over contaminated. Oh, heads up. Put them outside. Heads up. Yeah. Let's get the clean patients to the back hall. I'll cover the brandy. Grab their charts now. You guys need to end this place, Sam. Did you call Hazmat? Oh, no, There's another one of these puppies in the maintenance closet. Pull that stuff out of here in no time. No, no, no! Don't plug that in! Give me sparks, might ignite the fumes. <laughs> Jerry, give me a phone! Okay, what's the ETA on hazmat? You gotta what's find that disaster manual, Jerry. I need surgical plates in the air, waterproof. Okay. Yeah, medicine that does it. Okay. Dispatch, this is 
Yes, we're closing down all paramedics. No, immediately. Carol, I've got a major trauma patient. What's going on no, here? Benzene. There's fumes all over the place. Contaminated. No, 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 Dr. Cornet, we're moving everybody out. This man needs pre-op labs, chest X-ray, peritoneal lavage, and immediate surgery to revascularize his arm. Okay, take him to the back hall. I'll call X-ray. In the hall? The leak. I want you to prep that guy for a lavage and notify the OR. You got it. Where are you taking him? What are we doing in the hall? I'm, I'm in full disaster mode here. I need a hospital. You can't come in here. The ER is contaminated. What happened? They just showed up covered in benzene. Okay, so just clear out the lobby. You didn't control the scene. They came in in a pickup truck. Get that out of the way. You need to move. Just move. to evacuate the entire ER, check every room, all contaminated patients and staff go to the ambulance bay right now. Wait a minute, how do we know who's <laughs> contaminated? If you got a spot on your skin, if you got a spot on your gurney, if you got a spot on your clothes, go outside all right, right, right now. Let me Dr. Weaver, how you doing? Her season stopped. She's supposed to go. Okay. Hot damn. Carter, my boy. Like it's it's so seamless. That's the best part about this. It's so seamless. That he just starts, I'm the boss man. Mm -hmm. yeah, Carries it, down, I'm good, let's go. And I know it's not one, but it almost feels like it's one of the one shots, just in how well that whole thing transitions. Oh yeah, it's like, if it's possible to, and I think a big part of that, again, going not to like blow too much sunshine up his ass, but really it is Martin's, it's to his credit here that um, even though you're switching between scenes and between settings, um, it feels like... A, a one shot like it feels like there's no cuts anywhere uh and a lot of that is credit to the score the score really does set this tremendous not to like do the thing but it like sets a tremendous tone for the whole period here and it's incredible yeah i it's just the reason we didn't originally go to grab that clip is just because so much is happening that it's pretty much a microcosm of the whole episode yeah uh, yeah it, it's i think that three and a half minutes there is the trailer for er like if you're trying to sell somebody on the show and say like this is what this is the show you need to be watching this is a perfect three minute three and a half minute clip to show somebody to be like this is what you're in for like it, it kind of highlights all of the best parts of it mass casualty episodes which was kind of what we could call this or just just mess episodes mm -hmm. like this and blizzard are some of the best to get people hooked on the show because they don't require you to have a whole lot of character background mm -hmm. It's just like, here, watch what they do well, really fucking well. Yeah. This feels like a next, um, like a, a logical next evolution to the Blizzard formula of how to do a mass, casu mass casualty episode. Uh, this feels like kind of the next 
next level up to that but now we have another quick little a much smaller audio clip but uh let's let's find out exactly what we're dealing with here uh jerry and anna are trying to help carter find the disaster manual in the lounge protocols quality assessment improvements jerry what are you doing i need ellen uh check under the stack i'm looking for the disaster manual it's got to be here somewhere Anna, what's it say? Uh, hold on, I just found it. Hey, Carter, what about policy and procedures? Maybe there's something in here about this. No, 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 forget it. Listen, go to the admit desk, grab all the charts to take the doctor in the cafeteria. Well, I'm sure there's probably a sex... Run, Jerry, to the cafeteria. Got it. It's under hydrocarbons, excreted in urine as sulfate conjugates. No, no, we don't need that. Let's go to the clinical presentation. Uh, pulmonary system. Coughing, choking, pulmonary edema where aspiration occurs. I think that guy Manny aspirated. I don't think Weaver did. Central nervous system. Inhalation displaces oxygen, causing depressed sensorium, lethargy, and rarely seizures from hypoxia. Supportive care only. Treat with oxygen. That's what we're doing. She should be okay. I like the semi-running joke throughout the episode where they send Jerry off to go do errands and then never actually end up using the thing that Jerry's being sent to go get. Like, go get a fan. Mm -hmm. We're not going to use the fan. Go do this thing. We're not going to do that. At the end of the episode, like, he goes off to run off and get adenosine and never use it. Like, it's it's a little bit of a running joke. It's so good. I just, I'm just so happy to have Jerry back. I'm sorry. Um, but then we, we flip up and we go check on Benton working in the cafeteria and he, he has a bit of a shouting match with, um, I'm guessing is she's kind of like the cafeteria lead. Mm -hmm. Cause she's like, she's like, why are you ordering my staff around? What are you doing? And he's like, okay, you don't understand. Like we have a big oopsie going on downstairs. Like we need the space. And she like she back she backs off and he's scratch like, our floors. Yeah, but he backs off and immediately or she backs off and immediately starts helping, which is great. Um, and then we pop out to the ambulance bay where Carrie and Jeannie are, and it is freezing. Carrie is shivering, so the firefighters say they're going to help patients outside get some shelter and warmth. But unfortunately, they do still have to stay outside. Um, they're also assisting inside with the spill containment and cleanup. And Carter is running inside the ER to grab all the supplies they need. And they're like, okay, you have two minutes. Like, you should not be in here. You have two minutes. Mm. Get this shit taken care of. Because he knows the firefighters aren't going to know what to look for. Right. Yeah, it's going to be more so. efficient if he does it. And our, our lead firefighter here who's doing the hazmat cleanup stuff, uh, Captain Daniker is the character's name. He's played by another Oh Hey, It's That Guy, uh, actor Ed Lauder, who appeared in stuff like the movie Cujo, Not Another Teen Movie, and King Kong, among many other things. 208 credits to his name. I recognized him as uh, not the villain, but like a significant player in a, a really early X-Files episode, like first 10 episodes of mm. X-Files guy. Um, but he passed away in 2013. Oh, Oh. And then from there we have Carter finds a woman in one of the ex exam rooms. I think Lily calls him over and this is, Oh my God. Why can't I think of her in name? Inga, Inga, I think. Yeah. Inga. Yeah. This is, this is Inga. She, she is our team favorite for this one uh, and he has to unfortunately move her and bag her at the same time because she's currently hooked up to a ventilator i believe so yeah. or she's currently intubated at least so he tells lily to go and help out with other stuff and he's gonna get inga moved upstairs to the cafeteria and then we find out sophie has to be disconnected from her dialysis machine while they take the elevator because there is not enough room for her bed and the elevator and two or and a doctor and two nurses so mm -hmm. the dialysis machine is going to take one elevator she's going to take another and we'll all meet back up in the cafeteria happily ever after everything will be fine back up in the peds icu yes thank you sorry 
And we get a strange first here. Uh, so our renal nurse here who gets a name. I don't know if she gets a name here, but the character does get a name eventually. Uh, the nurse, and I think eventually she will become an ER nurse primarily because um, I've seen pictures of her from the later seasons and she's very much like into traumas and stuff. So, um, but the, the character's name is Dory Kearns here and she's played by an actress named Kyle Richards who is most famous for being one of, and I believe still a current cast member of the uh, reality series, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I guess huh. she was an actress at one point and now is just a professional rich lady. I'm not sure. Um, this is her first of 21 appearances through 2006. And I have no, I sort of vaguely remember this, like as like a clickbait title of like one of the real housewives used to be an actress and like, had a thing on er i sort of vaguely remember that as a headline but i didn't remember the context or any of the details so keep your eye out for dory kearns over the next eight years she'll be hanging around okay but uh the er is now nice and empty when the fire alarm starts going off yeesh um of course the fire alarm has stopped the elevator and is now totally stalled uh well it recalls the elevator down down to the er as per the emergency procedure which, if the fire's in the ER, that seems like a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. That's just me, maybe. Closest to the ground, because I guess. the first floor? Yeah. Yeah, first yeah, floor. Yeah, so it's for evac or whatever. Um, but, of course, the ER being... what County General being what it is, the ER... The elevators have not been very well maintained. Um, so, on the way down, the elevator lurches and the emergency brakes engage. So, at least they don't plummet to their deaths. Yeah. Uh, Doug, Carolyn, young Sophie here, but yeah, so Doug pushes the alarm in the elevator to someone here because the the emergency phone that's in there has no cord. Love to see. Like it. it's just it's just the headset. It's <gasps> there's no cord attached to it, um, which is a problem in 1998. Yeah. Um, but then so we find out that Sophie only has about 20 minutes of oxygen left, so they need to get the fuck out of there. Ugh. When it rains, it pours. So we go from there back out to the ambulance bay where everyone is decontaminating in the little pop-up showers that they have. Uh, Sophie's mom is frantically running around looking for her. Nobody se nobody seems aware yet of their current predicament. Uh, Carrie is post-dictal after her seizure and is uh, asking why they're outside. Disoriented Carrie for the rest oh. of this episode is, is low-key a highlight, though. Like, disoriented I, Carrie is good. Can I say it's one of my favorites because it's not often that we see post-ictal patients after they've had their big dramatic seizures. And I've I've been where Carrie is. Like, Lizzie's had to fucking take care of me after a seizure where the only thing I want to do is lay and not have to ask any complicated questions. It's true. <laughs> so the idea of being somewhere unfamiliar and, like, having a bunch of this stuff going on... It's... Uh, I can't give Laura Inez enough credit for how she does this because... I, yep, just, yep, I, mm-hmm, so I love it, and this, this warmed my heart a lot, because not only is it, oh shit, Carrie's having a seizure, but then it's, oh shit, sweet baby post-ictal Carrie, right. like, it's a good illustration of kind of what it looks like after, and, you know, the trauma your brain's gone through, and kind of how it looks like to dig your way out, so, someone who's usually so on point, is just like, what's happening? Yeah, yeah she's very it's, good. It's, it's cute, and I love it, so... This got this got five thumbs up for me. <laughs> Might have a doctor check that out. You know what? I have grown three extra thumbs just to 
applaud this part of the episode. <laughs> Leave it alone. They'll sh- they'll shed, I'm sure. You have good insurance. We'll we'll get that looked at soon. What happens so next? So in the chaos of everything out here in the ambulance bay, we get a what I thought was a new character, but is apparently not, according to IMDb. Mm. Although IMDb has lied to me before, so if somebody wants to do the legwork and go back and check and see if this is the case. Um, the VP of operations for the hospital, Harriet Spooner, which seems like a big mucky muck position. Like that seems like somebody we would have heard from before now. And according to IMDb, we have, but uh, she yells at Carter for moving peeps uh, down to the cafeteria instead of physical therapy, which was the disaster plan. But note, he did not have a copy of the disaster plan. So they had to improvise and improvise pretty, pretty darn well. I, I, I would argue his plan was better than the one they had written down. Especially since the elevator's fucked up. So if they if they yeah. were taking people all the way up to physical therapy. Uh, but Harriet Spooner here is played by actress Christine Healy. And according to IMDb, which again, take that with a grain of salt. But according to IMDb, she, this is apparently her second out of three appearances. And she also appeared in the pilot episode. That seems like an awfully long time ago for such a tertiary, like not even tertiary character, like minorist of the minor characters to bring back. But they've done Stranger Things before. So if somebody wants to go back and look at the pilot, see if they can find hospital administrator Harriet Spooner. Uh, She's making her second of three appearances here in this episode. That's why they re-aired the pilot. Refresh your memory. Spooner (laughs) storyline. That's exactly it. Um, Also, side note, imagine going from the pilot to this yeah oh boy that is a like what <laughs> jarring so then we have the fire team notes that there is in fact a stuck elevator and that the reason the alarm was pulled was likely because somebody smelled fumes and panicked thinking it was a fire not realizing what was going on in the er so they say they have to you know get the elevator come back down and they're like oh yeah we can get the technicians here in maybe an hour cool not great bob not great not knowing what the audience knows not great um, and then we have Carol and Doug are working together to keep Sophie stable and relaxed. And Doug's being all like, me, me, me. And Carol goes, well, it wasn't my idea to move her like this. And we find out she now has 10 minutes of oxygen left. And they don't have the drugs they need to keep her stable based on what Doug identifies as going on. So Carol is able to find some lidocaine, which they can use in a pinch. But yeah, basically, they were like, well, why wasn't her like cart stocked correctly and it's like well if we had known we were moving her in a broken elevator just a whole thing they're just the two of them are just sniping at each other all episode um but then we go back to inga and inga is continuing to bag herself so push like pump her own air so they can give a ventilator to another patient because somebody comes in and like would they come in with an extra ventilator and they're like okay you know who does this go to and they're like oh you know give it give it to inga blah blah blah, this is what's wrong with her and she like shakes her head she like flexes does a big like bicep flex and keeps pumping her own air and gives a thumbs up and i love inga like inga's inga's a badass team inga um and yeah she just she she gives up the ventilator to another patient says she can keep going well doesn't say but implies she can keep going and then carter gets the packet for chief medical officer because carrie's down for the count and he also gets a walkie-talkie so Harriet gives him both, and she's like, well, I guess since Carrie's down, you're the one we're dealing with. Here you go. I'm on channel four. Have fun. And Sophie's crashing. Yay! No, not <laughs> Yep. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you, sociopath? We don't yay a child dying. I don't know. We complain about children a lot on this show, so I wasn't not sure. Not this child. This child's adorable, and, you know, 
just doing her best. And this is not her fault. She's not acting annoying. Fair. There you go. And Doug is trying to peel the doors open to try and get them out. And this this does not look safe this, in the slightest. This was my hell. That like Lizzie was was upset about the uh, confined space stuff earlier. The, this whole thing of like opening elevator doors between floors. No, thank you, sir. That is my hell. Let's not. Like you are one slip away from that door just coming and crushing. Not Ugh. you, but Carol as well, since she's helping you brace those doors open. Yeah, not great. Yeah, but uh, at least the firefighters get there just in time to to pry open the outer doors. Um, and they're able to get Sophie supplemental oxygen, so she stops crashing. Yay! yay. There, is that an appropriate <laughs> yay? There's, yes, there's there we go. Happens. So we go from there up to the OR suite where we see Romano. We get our one and only appearance of Romano this episode. Very light on Romano in this one. Um, uh, him and Lizzie are scrubbing in to fix Leo's arm and get him fixed up. Uh, and Lizzie is frantically, you, you can just still see like her adrenaline's going as she's uh, scrubbing in very frantically there. And she asks for Romano's honest opinion at whether or not they have a shot to save his arm. And Romano says, if I'm being honest, no, not really. But, <laughs> but what I love though, is that she's like, well, let's give it our best shot anyway. And Romano gives that like, which will come up again, you know, in what season six, like when it, when Lucy has her thing, like, when when the chips are down romano does actually have a purpose you know like he does he can actually step up in a moment of crisis and really do the thing that needs doing even though he's an asshole and and a horrible person in most cases there are little brief glimpses where romano's not completely hopeless and you, you like to see those perfect little comedic beat to to take us out of that though is where we go down and we get a, a brief two shot of carrie getting the story of what's been going on from what was earlier in the episode her patient <laughs> jack arterburn yep uh while she's inhaling her nebulizer uh, meds keeping her stable such a great visual between these two like i love this so good so much like where she's he's talking her through everything that's been happening and the whole time she's like sucking on that nebulizer thing and then she like takes it out of her mouth and like blows the smoke out for just a second just to be like and then what happened and then puts it back in and it's just like like <laughs> she <laughs> it's so good like we don't give Laura Innes enough credit for her comedic timing when she needs to be funny. She's has really good comedic I timing just, when she gets the chance. I love when he's like, and I saw them wheeling you through into the green room or like the yellow yeah. room or whatever. And she goes, Oh yeah, that's trauma. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, literally on the edge of her gurney with anticipation of yes. what's going on. I just, I've, I've been there post Ictal. So I just, I love it so much because it's, it's, it's a humanizing display of it instead of using it as like, it's kind of a punchline, but it's using it instead of a shock. Factor. Right. Exactly. It's not exploiting the, um, the, seizure. the seizure and the the whole the, the the frenetic nature of that it's 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 finding some way to take a positive thing out of it and like I can't right. say enough good things about her line read of and then what happened yeah because it's yeah, so I, good like you just have to watch it and listen to it like the way she says and then what happened is just mm, chef kiss Laura Innes MVP uh but but we go from there back out to the ambulance bay where there is a guy uh, who's getting a his deacon. He's on a gurney, so he's not able to stand and be showered. This is one of the original guys that was brought in on the gurney that started mm -hmm. this whole mess. Um, he is on a gurney. He's being brushed down and washed off by uh, some of the hazmat team that's around him. And he starts 
not being able to breathe and he's having like a crisis and Carter is standing off to the sidelines and he's being blocked by the fire captain. Who's like, you, you can't go in there. You know, it's a clean, sterile area. Like can't go in there, whatever. And Carter basically just gives him like the old okie doke and like goes around him and goes under the tape. And by the time he's under the tape, he's like, well, fuck it. He's, he's dirty now. Let him go. So Carter jumps in, contaminates himself, um, to assist and now Carter has to get washed down. So Carter has to strip down to his skivvies and get uh, sprayed down and scrubbed down and everything. So find out Carter's a boxer man. So keep that in your little uh, character notebook as you're keeping track of all these folks. You know, Carter, boxer man. Yep. Then we're back up to the cafeteria. Chuni calls for help from Benton and Anna because Inga's crashing. Uh. Oh, no. And Carter puts on the firefighter boots that he was given after rolling his eyes at them originally and books it up to the cafeteria where Inga is when Yosh mentions that they're trying to assist a woman who is coding upstairs. And unfortunately, Benton has to give up on Inga because just they've tried Epi, they've tried shocking her, nothing's really, nothing's really working, and, um... Jack says to Carrie, he goes, did that lady just die? Is she dead? Are they going to leave her up there like that? And so Jack says that, and Carrie just leans over and nods and pats him on the arm really consolingly. And it's just, there's, I want just, Daniel, when you're doing the, like, best of for season four, we need to find a way to, like, get these video clips of Jack and Carrie. Oh, my God. And just have them, just have them stand on their own. But um, Anna tells, does she tell Jack what no, she happened? she tells Carter. Or no, she tells Carter. Got it. I was, I just wrote that wrong. So Anna tells Carter what happened and she kind of consoles him knowing that he was, he was team Inga. And she's like, no, her chart was a death sentence. Like it was going to happen. Um, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Arterburn is suddenly dizzy and unstable and he is now what looks like crashing, and stuff's not great, and Carrie tries to help, but she's still a mess, so Jeannie has to keep her in bed, and as they're trying to figure out how to get Mr. Arterburn stable, because the defibrillator is out of battery, and they have to get it plugged in, Carter runs over to a portion of the cafeteria where all the pitchers of ice water are, dumps them all into one big, like, dirty dish container, which doesn't have any dishes in it at the moment, but, like, that's what it would be used for, is bussing dishes, and he runs it over and dunks Jack's face into it after getting him sitting up. And after a minute, he comes to and his rhythm res- resolves. And Anna's like, oh, yeah, the diving reflex. And I guess it works where it um it slows your heart rate and gets you out of an abnormal rhythm. And then immediately after they get him stable, Jerry shows up with the drugs that they were <laughs> looking for. Jerry, just Jerry cannot win this like, episode. I got it's, the adenosine. It's okay. We're yeah. all good. We're all good. <laughs> and then it's just done. Oh, precious. Everybody's just so precious in this episode. I think that's why this one works so well. It's because, yes, it's a mess. And, yes, everything's kind of going wrong. But it's going wrong in all these great little ways that are just, like, little little sparks of humanity throughout the whole team. Mm-hmm. Yes. That are all very light and well played. Nothing super heavy. Yeah. Everyone's playing their part exactly the way you would expect them to or that you would hope them to. And yet nobody is going nobody's going to cartoonish degrees of heroism in this episode. Everybody's just on their game and doing exactly what you would expect that they would do under the circumstances. 
and I think that's part of what really makes it so incredibly good is that it's not there's not I mean other short of maybe you know Lizzie jumping into a collapsed building to save somebody that's maybe the only part that really stretches the boundaries of what we would expect from these people Um, but everybody else they're just relying on their skills and what they know and doing the right thing under difficult circumstances and it's uh, mm. can you tell we love this one only a lot Uh, but let's go back up to the surgical floor for a little audio clip Um, Leo has come out of surgery fine but without an arm and Ben takes a look at uh, Corday's eye, which looks kind of beat to shit. Elizabeth. Hello, Peter. I'll be right there. Whoa. Your eye looks worse. It's nothing. I'm sure it looks nastier than it really is. Uh, let me have a look anyway. You could have a uh, hyphema. So, I heard about the big rescue. Mm-hmm. You were under a collapsed building? Yep. Went all out to avoid an amputation, but we had to take his arm anyway. Ah. Okay. You okay? Mm-hmm. Have to tell Leo about his arm when he wakes up. What about you? Are you on call tonight? I've got a fasciotomy. After that, I'm free. I could do with some debriefing. Uh, just fuck already, you two. Saucy makes. So good. Slipping in just a little bit of thirst there at the end. Like, don't forget. Always. Literally the only reason why I got that audio clip was <laughs> because of... Um, so what good. I like, but there is something here too to talk about though that that I like uh, because this was an episode that I've known has been coming for a while. Like I've had this one kind of bookmarked for a bit, um, and I knew it was in a in a vacuum an amazing episode, but I wasn't clear on you know all the permutations of the various storylines and where we were with different things. So I was sort of thinking that this might be an episode that took place after the Benton Lizzie pairing had gotten into full swing, and obviously it hasn't. And I think I like that better because we don't really have the aspect of this episode of Corday being like the damsel in distress thing of like having her male counterpart, be it Benton or somebody else, be so like, oh my God, that she was in this dangerous situation and then why would you put yourself at risk like that, blah, 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 whatever. She just gets to go off and be a badass and we don't really have to question it any right, further yeah. and we don't really have to have this like romance thing bogging it down. But we do still get this nice little moment that reminds us we are heading towards something very cool and very sweet with these two very, very shortly. And it, it just it, it weaves itself perfectly into the flow of the episode. And that's that's the way it's done, kids. And I'm just going to say it again. This is the kind of stuff that Lizzie Hella gets cheated out of once she's in a stable relationship with Mark. I'm salty. Ooh. Fights to come. Wow. Okay, we're, you just woke up and cho- chose violence. <laughs> I sure did. But yeah, I did wake up and choose violence because I yeah. think Elizabeth has done so dirty with her romance angles. Once she's in committed relationships, she loses a lot of the feistiness. Uh, but either way, um, our next scene is also going to be some audio for you. Uh, it's Carol and Doug working on Sophie up in the ICU. Take a deep breath in. Now blow out. <laughs> Good. Can we get blood gas in about 20 minutes? Store. It's warm. Yeah, I gotta go. That was pretty scary, wasn't it? Oh, no, we do that kind of thing here every day. No, you were scared. Tell the truth. Yeah, I was pretty scared. I was really scared. Honey, I've been looking all over for you. Is she okay? <sighs> She's fine. I heard about the fumes. 
Was she exposed? She was on a ventilator, so her lungs weren't exposed. So she was never in any danger? No, Mom. They took really good care of me. <sighs> Excuse me, the ER. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dr. Lemley, too. Come back and check up on you in a little bit. You're in good hands, so, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. Carol, hey. You know, we should get the pharmacy to restock the drug boxes. Sure. So you still mad at me about this morning? I was mad? Accused me of spying on you. I never said that. Well, that's what you meant. No, I was annoyed. You don't need to check up on me. I wasn't. I just wanted to see you last night. Me too. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't let that happen too often, should we? Well, I actually think we shouldn't let that happen at all. But... Uh, you guys nothing. Are we just gonna? <laughs> are we just gonna do this every episode now with uh, Doug and Carol, where they have some manufactured conflict by the at the beginning of the episode, and then by the end of the episode, everything's fine and fixed? Like, is that? But we gotta have them have sweet sweet reunion moments guess so yes throughout the episode i guess maybe sure why not sure yeah. that's how that works yeah totally absolutely 100 <laughs> totally oh boy but yeah wish i would get wish i would get back into an elevator after that had just happened right nope that take the stairs. i take the stairs for the next Fuck month that. at least i do i do love how Clooney's like well here goes like as he's yeah. getting in and also because you've you've had me watching so much more grays I just noted how little they make out in elevators compared to Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I know. It's because Grey's Like, somebody has... would be pregnant in that <laughs> elevator already. Yeah. And also, Grey's, they abuse the emergency stop button so that's goddamn the, much. That's the hospital. Yeah. That's, you can't be doing that. That's not safe. But yeah. if they're surgeons, they can get away yeah. with anything. But but if they're a county, the elevator will break and they won't be able to get out. And so everyone will just... know that they were just there and then they were just have to do it because they were making out. Because they have to call the fire department. It's a whole thing. And it's just, uh... So... But I guess at least that would give them more time to fuck. Yeah. All right, Daniel, what's up next? <laughs> so we go from there. We get this really cool, uh, I guess this would be a steady cam shot. Like, it's more of a handheld shot because they do a lot more panning than they normally do. But they do this slow pan through the MGER, really creepy looking shot. You see all the kind of scattered gurneys and all the supplies and stuff that were tossed around and all the chaos. Um very excellent excellent resource for uh, when I'm trying to figure out the layout of the ER though because you, you rarely so rarely get to see everything like empty like this uh, one of the few times we've seen that um, we then do a tight shot on the doors that lead to the cafeteria and they they open up and all the patients start coming back in being led by Carter and I want to point out here that we get the exact same music cue here uh, as we did from Benton's punch in the pilot which was, if you'll recall, a very similar shot uh, where Benton opens those double doors up on the uh, surgical suite. And in a similar type of moment to Carter, too, he has stepped up in a moment of crisis, taken a really big risk, uh, and it paid off for him. And Carter doesn't get the same sort of like emotional release that Benton got with the punch, but it's a nice kind of rhyming mirroring moment between what Benton was experiencing in the pilot and what Carter's doing here. And I like that they brought back the exact same musical cue for both. Um, Martin devil is in the details. My man does his homework. Um, but so Carrie has recovered to a sufficient degree that she says she can take over from there. <laughs> she thanks Carter for helping out with everything, says that they're going to need to speak with the press uh, about everything. And she kind of goes over 
she she tries to coach Carter through what a, a reasonable response would be, and Carter's like really only half listening to this because he's still like I said we have we have sort of birthed fully formed John Carter MD at this point, and he is much more concerned about the patients and making sure that they're going in the right directions and ending up in the right places than dealing with any of the like glory or the fallout of this. Uh, as Car- Carrie yeah. says, you know, we followed a well rehearsed disaster plan. Yeah, okay, sure, <laughs> the disaster <laughs> plan we couldn't find. Yeah. Yeah, and totally. sweet baby Jerry here with, and again, just the line, one of the lines of the episode here, he assures Carrie that, you know, now that I'm back on days, you can count on a higher level of efficiency uh, that <laughs> I believe he says, so if you pass out again, everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Sweet baby Jerry. That is exactly how he phrases it. Yeah. And let's round out this episode with Carter talking with that fire captain. Dr. Carter. Want these back? No. Souvenir. So, uh, how do you think your people handle things? Oh, pretty good. No, it's a total disaster. You guys were caught with your pants down. But uh, you, you personally did okay uh, under the circumstances. I think you're the guy to work with on a schedule of disaster drills. I don't have that kind of authority. I'm uh, just an intern. You had me fooled. We should talk to our chief of staff. It was good working with you. Hey, Carter. Hey! When did you get back? Came straight from the airport. I'm on in five minutes. It's good to see you. How's your mom? She's doing better. What's with the boots? It's kind of a long story. I love that music that it goes out with because it's like the ER's victory mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's it's a very common, very commonly used song throughout the series, but I just love it because it's like I said, it's. Hey, everything's yeah. okay. Which that that was the mm-hmm. one, we love that was the one I was it. referring to earlier. That's the exact same music cue that Benton has from the pilot when he walks through the door and gives the punch, and that's the one they used when Carter yeah. came back into the ER just now, and they use it again to end the episode here. And you're right, it 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 just kind of puts a perfect little bow on everything we've experienced over the last 45 minutes of television. It is perfect. So this one, this this episode won an yes, award. Yes, it did. This episode won one 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 award, and was nominated for two others. Uh, it won an Emmy for sound editing and was nominated for sound mixing and single camera editing, uh, and it should have won more cool. because this episode is amazing. We'll take what we can get. Um, so solid ten out of ten, best episode of the series so far. I we've been pra- I've been praising it so much throughout this episode. I really can't say much more other than goddamn. Yeah, it felt good to have a season four episode that I was actually excited to talk about. Yeah. I want to bottle this episode and spread it on toast. Like this episode is just like it's everything I want from ER in one neat, tidy little package. Like this, this is the perfect episode to show, to, which I believe one of our page of listener responses here. I believe one of them in there basically says something to this effect that this is the episode that you yep. take and bring to someone when you want to sell them on the show. Like this is the, this is the episode I should have showed Jake 
before we ever started doing this to sell him on the idea of watching this show with any regularity because it is it's the perfect encapsulation of everything that makes the show great the acting the drama the tension the music all of it all working together all firing on all cylinders there's really nothing here that doesn't work there is not a single thing in this episode, right. really, looking back on it, there's not a single thing in this episode that you would say, man, that doesn't really work. You can get rid of that. Every single thing is working perfectly, and it works perfectly in concert with everything else. That's the other thing that's underrated about this episode um, is that the individual parts – because you have episodes sometimes where the individual parts are all great, but they don't necessarily meld and mesh together the way that you would like them to. This episode, all the individual elements work incredibly well but they don't just work for themselves they work for everyone else everything else is serving every other part of the story and every every little element you know even even in, uh, down to as granular as jerry's bullshit of like running and going g- getting his various things that don't pay off like even that serves to work with all of the other elements of the story and for that, I think Lizzie's 100% right. I think this is a 10 out of 10, and I think we have a new best episode of the series thus far. It is certainly in my top 10 personally, but you you could definitely make an argument that it's the best episode of the series bar none. I can't disagree with anything that you two just said. Yeah, I was going to say, once again, Daniel has a main line straight into my brain <laughs> to help filter out the thoughts from my AED-riddled brain. So, so Lauren, we have a lot of we, people had a lot to say about this episode. Why don't you run us through quickly some some listener responses? Oh, you guys gave me a lot to do tonight. Thank you all. I really appreciate all the feedback. Um, so first off, we have Zoe M says Carter's best episode makes me actually forget why I dislike him. Jake Terrell Esquire says arguably the best episode of the season. I'm gonna be Johnny Carson with the envelope and predict this will be Lizzie Nicole's reason they pick Carter for season MVP four years running. Goddamn right. Mary L says Baby Carter becomes an amazing leader. Haley K says, Yay! We're finally here. This this episode is probably in my top five of the series. It's the one I show to people to introduce them to the show because it has everything you need in a well-rounded ER episode. It's funny and there's drama and action and everyone is involved in some way. I really love everyone's performance here, especially Noah's. Carter taking charge is one of my favorite moments of his. It's so good. Charles A. says, First glimpse of Dr. John Carter, the attending, and how he will eventually fill the shoes of Dr. Green after season 8. Michelle K. says, Yes! My favorite episode of season 4. This is the episode where you see Carter become Carter. Yes, he slides back into Dammit Carter in season 5 with Lucy, but let me have this moment. I love how he doesn't wait to be led, he just jumps in when Carrie collapses. Senior doctors and nurses just listen to him without trying to pull a power play because they respect him. There is so much foreshadowing for how Carter will set the tone after Mark leaves that is just perfect. And Benton saying, you heard him people, let's go, was such an important throwaway line for Carter because that shows Peter's level of respect for him. Elizabeth doing a rescue makes me so uncomfortable because I am very claustrophobic. I would love to know how they shot that and if the actors had any problems filming because of their own fears. It does seem like Alex Kingston is panicking a bit, and while that could just be acting, I wonder if any of the panic was real. Finally, Doug and Carol. Doug, if you had just listened to Carter's instructions, you would have been fine. I think that's all that really needs to be said there. 
Robin I says A plus overall episode and I felt that it was a turning point for Carter. I'm not sure that Carter would have been one to jump in and take charge over someone else equally qualified, but when there was no other choice, he stepped in and stepped up. I think he had more confidence in his ability to lead after this episode, and rightfully so. Franner W. says, When Carter says everybody shut up and Benton is looking at him, listening and waiting to be told what to do, and then does it. Then Carter's little boy smile when the chief emergency guy tells him how well he did, still baby Carter underneath. Carrie sucking on her nebulizer, looking like a drunk auntie at Christmas, not having a clue what's going on, cracked me up. And then what? Y'all nailed it this week. Yeah, this was the first time, I think, since we started doing the listener responses things that I had to cut it off because we had so many responses that I was like, we're... No, there wasn't all of them. There was more. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for everything you've added. If I didn't, we didn't read yours out. I'm sorry. Like I said, we got to a full page of these and I was like, all right, we're going to be here all night because we're going to be talking about this a ton ourselves. So, uh, yeah, y'all stepped up big time. Appreciate it. This is already a chonker of an episode. Thanks very much for sticking with us. And that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. You know, after this episode, why wouldn't you want a sticker with his face on it? Team Jerry! Uh, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over a dozen hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and the world at that moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash-forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter, we are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. We love y'all. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me regularly choosing violence against the STT Twitter page on my own personal <laughs> Twitter at lowbob92345. Daniel, I see you've called me out on Facebook already, and you're wrong. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer. That's JM3R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. New episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.